The Word of the Lord from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 14. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that are done on it will be exposed." Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for a gospel proclamation comes from the lesson that I just read from you from Second Peter and serves as the basis of our theme for the second Sunday in Advent, anticipating godliness and holiness through him. But do not overlook this one fact. Have you ever been in training or class or some special crafting experience when the instructor said something like this. Now pay attention, everyone. If you don't learn anything else in my class, make sure you come away with this. And fill in the blank with whatever you weren't supposed to forget. Now, let's be honest here for a moment. Did you remember it? Yeah, me either. But even if you did... To said sanction, I say, baloney, hogwash, poppycock. There are no silver bullets in life. There are no trump cards. No political pun intended. There is no single lesson, tripe saying, or fundamental rule that covers all circumstances. I know. Oh, how I know this runs against all the backwoods wisdom we have learned from the special Grammy or Grampy in our lives who give us that one rule of thumb. Always tell the truth. Do a good deed every day. Never let a kind word go unsaid. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. The clenched hand cannot receive. It's certainly not that any of these things are bad in and of themselves, but relying on any single one as the key to success in life is tantamount to the voodoo magic of the phrase, find a penny, pick it up, and all the day you'll have good luck. 
No, you won't. Sorry to burst your bubble, but no single rule covers everything. But knowledge of everything does. And as we take a deeper dive with this second Sunday of Advent, we discover with the opening of the letter from Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, overlooking one fact never means nothing else matters. Rather, it is the one fact that makes everything godly matter every day. So, we entered the season of Advent last Sunday and devoted ourselves to midweek Advent worship last Wednesday. It has been my fervent prayer that you have seen this season for what it is supposed to be. Penitential reflection, newfound devotion, anticipatory midweek worship, and a change from the mundane and the profane towards that which is godly and holy in our lives. Maybe you've already put up your Christmas decorations and displayed your creche with the baby Jesus conspicuously absent from the manger and the magi traveling from afar. More importantly, I pray it included your attending midweek worship, daily devotion with the Advent material we supplied, and a personal decision to reckon your spiritual life that may be faltering in this season of political upheaval, medical malfeasance, and cultural shifts as yet to be determined as to the damage that may be done to future generations. When we read Peter's letter today, we might leap to the conclusion that this will last thousands of years if it's nothing but a day to our Lord. But then we miss the greater point from Psalm 90, verse 4, that it is not the time that God keeps track of. Rather, it is the timelessness of everything God is in charge of and always will be in uncertain times. When we look at the past and wonder where the time went, and then we look at the clock at work or at a meeting we don't want to be at, wondering, why doesn't that second hand move faster? We finally understand the saying. The days feel like years, and the years feel like days. Sometimes we are trapped by time and out of time, all at the same time. But God isn't and is simply biding his time to give us the time we need to change the way we think and act so we can spend all our time in perfect peace with him. Now, don't get me wrong. The time is coming. But God will make sure, and we can have complete confidence in this, it will be the right time for everyone concerned. Over and over again, we have seen this truth in the history of God's people. God's benevolent covenant gospel is revealed and his children believe. The creation and the garden, the patriarchs and the covenant, the united kingdom and the restoration all the way through the time between the testaments. Then, 
His children turn into rebels and delinquents, focused only on themselves and the false gods of Satan. And how long our Lord suffered with them? But the days indeed seem like years to his children, and the years but a day to God. Even so, God's patience would wear thin, and even he would grieve that he ever created man upon the earth. Then his judgment came swiftly, thunderously, like a crack of the whip, and all the pain that that entails. Adam and Eve were banished from paradise. The Hebrews enslaved in Egypt. The United Kingdom was divided and taken into captivity. And the temple experiences the desecration of an abomination at the hands of the hateful Greeks. Then God, in his infinite compassion, relented and rescued them again. A savior was promised from the seed of Eve, the exodus from Egypt. Captives were released and rebuilt the promised land, and the temple was rededicated. And even after four centuries of silence from God through the prophets, he came himself as the little babe of Bethlehem to save everyone from the eternal ramification of their sins who believe. From the cave of his birth to the cave he was buried in, his life showed us that his death was meant for us to live eternally with him. This is our history, but it is but a beginning of the history God has yet to write with us as we eagerly anticipate this eternal life in the advent of our God. Beware, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Man's monumental accomplishments are coming to an end. The day is indeed coming when all that humankind holds dear will be reduced to its fundamental eternal value and found to be as nothing in the eyes of the Lord. As Peter tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Well, we already established that following a single rule in life will fail you. We also know from Romans 3 that none is righteous. No one seeks after God. No one does good. And there is no fear of God. And today's letter from Peter calls us to holiness and godliness, waiting expectantly for the new heavens and new earth. In light of all of this, my question is, how? How am I to live in godliness and holiness, eagerly anticipating the new heavens and new earth when I am not holy, I am not godly, and I am anything but eagerly anticipating the end of this world? After all, if we're honest, we like our sins, don't we? We're just like a baby with a dirty diaper who says, I know it smells bad, but it's warm and it's mine. 
We don't like holiness because we aren't holy. And we're not much into anticipating the new heavens and new earth because we just aren't quite fed up with this world yet. So Advent is an opportunity to take another look at our life in the light of the one who is to come. And he points us to a patriarch that knew what to do in the days when nobody knew what to do. And that is simply have faith. Genesis 15, 6, our Lord shows us Abraham who believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, picked up on this in Romans chapter 4. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. In this season of Advent, we have what we need from God to draw us closer to him. But even more than that, we hear the angels heralding, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And we remember, that is God's peace. As Romans 5.1 says, better than I ever could. Therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now all that is left to us is believing Anticipating and knowing we are godly and holy because of him. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.